Awesome. You may have a seat. Glad you're here this morning. Are you glad to be in the house of God this morning? I'm not convinced. I know it's a beautiful day outside. It's Father's Day and everybody wants to go celebrate their dads. But how about just for the next 45 minutes or so, we celebrate our Heavenly Father, right? Okay. <laughs> Y'all are making me a little nervous. Like, that's a big deal. He is worth our attention. He is worth and worthy of our celebration because he really is the Father who knows us best. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 25, finishing up this last chapter that we're going to be in in Matthew. Next week we will be conjoining uh, the last part of Matthew and the first part of Acts, jumping into our Acts series. And what's been interesting is we've been talking a lot this past um, few years about the being and the doing. The being is so important, it should inform our doing. And Jesus has been preaching so much on the being all the way through his messages that we're going to get into Acts, which is the doing. So he prepares his disciples of what it looks like to be Christ followers, and then he sends them on their way to go do the acts as a Christ follower. I find that fascinating. And for us, that's what we're going to do. We've been learning about how to be, and now we're going to start looking at what it looks like to do. But today's passage is not a parable. It is the ending of Jesus's time with his disciples and they had asked him a question if you remember what does the end times looks like when are they coming and he tells some um, neat little stuff to learn and then gives two parables and now he's ending basically with the answer to that question and the answer to that question is a really tough one for us because we want it to be very simple do this do this do this and what he really gets to is not that you know, when I was playing soccer, started when I was in fifth grade, played all the way through high school and in college and a little bit after that. And soccer for me is just so in me that I can't explain to you why I'm going to do what I'm getting ready to do or move the way that I'm getting ready to move. It's just who I am. I see it in a specific way and I know how my body can, we're used to, can react to it and do what I wanted to do to prevent them from scoring. Like it was just, I didn't have to think about it. And really, honestly, there was not a lot of coaching involved in that. I just continued to get my skills better. But it was just who I was and my natural inclination to guard the goal. It was just who I was. And isn't that so much like we are in so many different aspects? Maybe it's golfing for you. Maybe it's cutting grass or power washing, or maybe it's in how you treat people around you or do your job. It's just who you are. It comes natural. You don't even have to think about it. You don't even have to be trained in it. You just do it. Why can't that be the way we are with Christ? And the answer is, it can. We can so learn Christ that it becomes innate within us to do what he would normally do. Did you know that? But Alan, it's so hard. How are we supposed to know? Well, there's some factors involved in this, but we can study and we can spend time with him and we can grow in him and go after him in such a way that it becomes second nature to us, really first nature to us. And the sinful nature of us should be second nature. 
We should be first and foremost a Christ follower, and we should do it in such a way that it just comes natural. And really, that's what Jesus is going to address today in our sermon. So, I'm hoping this is going to work. Oh, now I can see it. So, here's the idea. We're we're running a new program. It's a pilot today, so it's going to be a little wonky. So here's the main thought that I have for you today. Do it without knowing you are doing it because it is who you are. Be kind to people without even realizing you're being kind to people because it's who you are. Do the right thing without even having to think about what is the right thing to do because inside you the Spirit of God has created an appetite to do the right thing no matter what and without even thinking you do the right thing. That's what we're shooting for. That's the type of followers that God is pining for. That's what the church is supposed to be about and producing people that are going after God so much that they don't even think about what does it mean to do the right thing? What does it mean to love being kind? And what does it mean to walk humbly with God? Because it's just who I am. It's what I do. Some of us are there in certain areas. Some of us are not. And the reality is we should never stop striving to get to the place where it's just who we are. So do it without even knowing that you're doing it because it's just simply who you are. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. It's a rather long passage, pretty repetitive, but we'll, we're going to go through and pick this apart as we go. In verse 31 of Matthew chapter 25, Jesus, again, is speaking, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He's answering the question, when's it going to come? What's it going to look like? And Jesus says, oh, it's coming. And when it comes, it's going to be like a shepherd who has sheep and goats that are intermingling. And he's going to separate them because the shepherd knows the difference between his sheep and his goats. Because believe it or not, there are some sheep and goats that actually look alike. That are kind of the same. They're hard to tell apart. And you're probably thinking, no way, goat. I know what a goat looks like and a sheep is nice and woolly. So it should be easy. But actually, there are sheep and goat that are kind of look alikes. In fact, there are a lot of Christians that are look alikes that really aren't believers. They just look like it. And Jesus says, hey, just so you know, there's coming a day in time that I will come back, that the Son of Man will return, and I'm going to separate the ones who got it and the ones who didn't. That in and of itself should make us sad, excited, cringy, and upset all at the same time. Sad for those that are going to separate it out that thought they were in. Happy for those that know that they're in. And cringy because maybe we don't know where we stand. But the cool thing is today you can. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt when you walk out of here whether you're a sheep or a goat. Because the choice is yours. He will set the sheep on his right hand. 
but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. So he lists all of these things that these people have done. And he says, you did that to me. Notice what they say. Then the righteous, these are the ones who got it, who were living according to the way that God has it planned out for us. The righteous said to him, they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. I'm going to get ahead of myself intentionally right here because here's the crux of the message. These righteous people did the right thing no matter what and to who. It did not matter. And Jesus says, because you did the right thing, not even realizing who you were doing it to, you have done it to me. God bless you. They did the right thing without even realizing they were doing it because it was who they were. He calls them the righteous said. At some point, churches all across the nation, all across the world, are going to have to make a decision whether they're going to continue playing the game or get real about their faith and be who God created them to be first in order that they can do without even thinking because it's who they are. And why can it not start right here? Then, verse 41. He will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So again, we have two distinct places where people are going to go. Either into the kingdom or into the fire. Not my words. Jesus' words, who is a documented person on the earth, who did some cool stuff that absolutely validated who he was because when he died, he rose again. So if the same guy that died and rose again says that, hey, there's two places that people are going to go, either to the kingdom or to the lake of fire, let me tell you something, that's what's going to happen. He says, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? When did we see what we were supposed to do and not do it? Now, many of y'all are thinking, well, what about the people that stand at the crossroads and ask for money? Because I guarantee you, most of us, if not all of us, get that weird feeling of, should I or shouldn't I? Can I help you a little bit with that? There's no right or wrong answer because it's between you and God and you have to answer for what you do. You're not responsible for what they do. You're responsible for what you choose to do. Hopefully that helps you. It helps me. 
Verse 45, then he will answer them saying, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Those are the last teachings of Jesus in the book of Matthew. Wow. That's pretty stout to his disciples, wouldn't you say? He says, guys, I'm glad you do. I'm glad you do things. But doing things does not validate the being. But the being will validate what you do. The being of who you are is so vital and important. And it will instruct you into what you should do to where you don't even have to think about it. Wouldn't that be nice? Just to naturally know this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, you can. You can because scripture teaches us what we are to do, how we are to act, and how we are to treat other people. This passage is so important for us for many different reasons because he answers the question. Now, many of us would get stuck in these first few verses and ask the question, is this the cloud return when he comes back? Is this when he comes back to take the church home in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Or is this the end of the tribulation return where he just takes everybody and wipes people out and separates them? Is that what this is talking about from Revelation 19 and 20? When are the goats going to get separated from the sheep? That is where we can easily get stuck. Because we want to know, when's this, how much time do I have? Right? Because I want to I kind of do some things before that time period. And right before the goats get separated from the sheep, I'm going to make some changes to make sure that I'm a sheep instead of a goat. But the reality is, we don't know when the time is coming. And so our responsibility is to be who we're supposed to be. Let it become natural in our doing until he returns because we don't know when he's coming. That's what he desires of us. So here's what we do know for sure. The separation is going to happen. How can I be ready? The separation is... Oh, that's going to mess me up. I'm going to have to get used to that. So on my screen, it's got everything, and this screen is a little different. So focusing on this can distract you from the main point. Would you agree? Don't look back at my screen. Come on. Bunch of cheaters. Y'all are going to be looking to see when I'm about done now. <laughs> Can you see how easy it would get to get distracted on that very first point? When's it going to happen? When's, when's it going to happen? How's it going to look? What's it, what's it going to do? And if we get focusing on that, we will be distracted from the main point. Why? Because the separation is going to happen. It doesn't matter when. It's going to happen. It doesn't matter if it happens when he takes the church on the first cloud visit. It doesn't matter if he separates them when he comes back and establishes his kingdom on the earth. It doesn't matter when it's going to happen because the reality is Jesus says there's a separation coming. And only I will decide those who will go into the eternal kingdom of God and those who will go into eternal damnation into hell. It's coming. And truthfully... It doesn't matter when it's coming because we just need to know that it's coming because that should inform and cause us to do something today. 
And so here's what we need to be looking at. In the first parable that we talked about, do you remember the first parable? It was about the 10 virgins, right? And what did they do? They got prepared. They had to prepare. Their job was to prepare because we don't know when the bridegroom is coming. So we're going to prepare. We're going to do extra. We're going to get ourselves ready and do what we know we're supposed to do until he comes because we don't know when he's coming. By the way, that's the first part of Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Do what's right. Do what you know you're supposed to do. Prepare, study, get under someone who can walk with you. Read all that you can. Spend time with God and just do the right thing. We need to prepare. We need to prepare our being in order to be able to do what God has called us to do. In the second parable, we see very clearly that they were given gifts. Remember the talents of the men? There were three different men. Two of them did well with their talents. They leveraged them because they didn't know when their master was going to return, but they leveraged the abilities and talents that he gave them into even more. There was no set way to do it, by the way. They were just tasked with protecting and leveraging what he gave them. Which means you may not have to be in ministry to leverage the abilities God's blessed you with. In fact, you guys that work in the secular world, you're already missionaries. You just didn't realize it. And in that mission field that you have, God has leveraged you with opportunities to speak to different individuals that need to hear the truth. That need to see the truth. But if we are so caught up on the sheep and the goat, who are they and when they're getting separated, we will miss the opportunity of just simply being who God created us to be. And just naturally doing through the Spirit of God the things that he has asked us and tasked us to do. And so for this one, we got to utilize. Not only do we need to prepare, but we need to utilize what he has given us. We've been given gifts to be used for his glory. That's what this is all about. In fact, that's the second part of Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Many of y'all don't know, but that's my favorite verse. I like to reflect on it from time to time. But not only are we to prepare by doing what is right, but we are to utilize the gifts by loving being kind. Now, for many of us, that's very hard. There's a lot of people we don't want to be kind to. Yes, thank you. I appreciate the honesty because that's the reality of it. Not, and I'm not talking about coworkers. I'm not talking about people that cut us off in the driveway or, uh, or at Walmart. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that are close to us, that know that we're believers, and we have the hardest time being kind to them. You know, I'm not responsible for how people respond to me, but I am responsible for how I treat them and how I respond to them. That is a portion of spiritual maturity that helps us get to the place where we can do the right thing without even thinking, knowing all along that we're probably going to get mistreated, but not taking it offense to it. But I want to take offense to it. I want to get them back. I just want them to suffer. 
I'm pretty confident that there's some passages that talks about if they hated Christ, they're going to hate you. I'm pretty sure there's a couple that talk about, you know, let me, God, take vengeance for you. You just continue to serve me and do the right thing. I will handle all the rest. I used to drive for Providence Creek Academy uh, in Clayton for the school buses. And the kids would try to retaliate and get back. And I finally just would ask them, like, who can do more to the person that you're aggravated with? Me, the bus driver, or you? Because when you retaliate, you're going to get in trouble. But if I handle it, I'm not going to get in trouble, depending on what I do. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. The people that are mistreating you, the people that are hurting you or offending you or just being mean, can you do something against them that's going to be worse than how God can deal with them? Or maybe, maybe, if you spent some time in prayer and treated them with the love of God, maybe God could speak through that and change their heart. But Alan, you just don't understand. You're right. I don't. All I understand is what Scripture teaches me, and that's the best I got for you. You can continue to buck against it, continue to do it your way, and continue to be miserable all you want. I'm just letting you know that there is a God whose spirit is far stronger than ours, that when we are kind and do what is right, it will heap coals onto the heads of those who mistreat you. It's hard. It's not fun. It's not what the world tells us we should do, right? So we should utilize this. We should leverage the being that God is creating within us in order to just do naturally what he's called us to do. And then there's the reality side of things. We get to this passage. Here's the reality. There is a separation coming. It's going to happen. God is going to, or Jesus is going to return and he's going to separate people. He's going to send some people to hell, which doesn't make sense to us because he's supposed to be a loving God. But the reality is he is a loving God because he's been very patient with all. Giving them chance after chance after chance to make a change. So don't get caught in the trap saying that God is not a loving God because he will send people to hell. He sent his one and only son to die on the cross for their sins and for yours. He's already done his part. And he's making it available to all who will accept it. So the reality is, who's being mean now? reality is this is just life this is who we should be at the core of who we are but don't I just go to church on Sundays and just do the right thing whenever it's convenient yeah probably maybe but that's not really who we're called to be Jesus calls us to change the very essence of who we are that the spirit may get in and change us and to be more like him that's what this is about. All of these things that we're enduring and going through are for our good, meaning they are there to chip away the junk and to reveal the garbage that's hurting us and holding us back so that we can confess it to him and he can come in and change our being to be even stronger than what it was so that now we can be kind when it's not convenient or kind when it's not fun or just do the right thing no matter what. And by the way, this is walking humbly with God, that last part of Micah 6, 8. Just do what's right. Love being kind. 
and walk humbly with him. This should be your life. And when I say it should be your life, I'm talking about from the moment you leave this room and walk out these doors and get in your car and go to lunch, it hasn't stopped. It should still be who you are. And when you go home, it should still be who you are. And when you lay down your head tonight in your bed, it should still be who you are. And when you get up tomorrow morning, guess what? You can take a break. Just kidding. It should be who you are. And when you go to work and face some coworkers and the bosses that you don't like and don't want to be with, it should still be who you are. And when you face the family that just drives you nuts, it should be who you are all the way up until you come back next Sunday. It should be who you are. This is not a part-time gig. It's not a, I get to choose my own adventure. This is a, I'm giving it all. I'm fully submitting and I am all in. It's who I am. Just as much as soccer was who I was and still am to a large degree, following Christ is more so. I want it to be just so me that when you see me, you just know that he's going to do the right thing. Listen, this is continuing to be about the being versus the doing. I'm sure you're probably getting tired of hearing about that, but the reality is we got to hear it all the time. Because it's a constant battle. Well, I do these things. Great. How's your being going? It's the being versus the doing. The doing is important. It's vital. It's, it's super important. But must become who we are. This doing isn't a, okay, well, I've got my, my task list here. I'm just going to check my boxes to make sure I'm doing all the things that God has told me to do. No, no, no. You should be able to throw that list aside because it's just who you are. I don't have to think about speaking nice words to those around me, edifying the believers. I don't have to think about whether I'm to be kind to my neighbor when his dog poops in my yard. I don't, have to be, I don't have to be thinking about whether I should spend time with God or not. I don't have to think about whether I should have that extramarital uh, relationship or not. I don't have to think about whether I should click that button on the porn site. I shouldn't have to think about whether I should do that or not. It should be just who I am to do the right thing because of who God is within me. That's where this is going. That's what this is all about. And at some point, church, individual believer, you're going to be held accountable for that. You're going to be held accountable for the decisions that you have made, whether to serve God wholly or not. And man, it would break my heart when he is separating the sheep from the goat that you think you've got the sheep's clothing on. And he says, nope, sorry, you're a goat. The only way to make sure that that doesn't happen is to go after Christ fully and submit everything that you have to him. Listen to this. Wow. Don't listen to that. What are y'all doing back there? Exactly. <clears throat> being. So let's talk about the being. This is such an interesting thing. The being is the basic. It's, it's, it's our nature, like that deep down stuff that nobody really likes to talk about. The word that we love to use on this one is the essence of who you are. It's your character. When the lights are down and nobody's around, your being is who you are in that little place. And that is what God wants to get a hold of. 
That is what God wants to infiltrate and clean out and change to where now your being is no longer Alan Hines. It is now Jesus Christ living within you. It is his spirit who takes over and guides you in every direction that you need to go. It is his spirit that allows you to see the things that you need to be doing and gives you the courage and the push to do them without even thinking. You can't do that on your own. Only with the help of God can you do that. The essence of who we are should be fully committed to being like Christ. The essence of who we are should be fully committed to being like Christ. Have you ever thought about that? Obviously not. Because we just think we've prayed the prayer, it's all good. And there's some truth to that. It starts the process. But listen, folks, this isn't a a one and done. I get to pray the prayer and then live however I want. This isn't hyper grace. Grace is a gift from God and so is salvation. And we must place our faith in what Christ has done on the cross that will change our life ongoing. It's called sanctification. It's called I'm getting better. I'm striving to live that holy life. We must be fully committed to him. Look at these verses that we're going to throw up here. Galatians 2.20, I love this verse. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. What does that sound like? Is that not just what we were talking about? Paul said, listen, if anybody knows God inside and out, it was Paul who was Saul. But when Saul became Paul, it's because he recognized that there was something greater than he, and it was God. And he fully submitted his life to the point of, I no longer am going to do what I wanted to do or what I was tasked to do. Now I have fully changed my being so that I can do what God has tasked me to do. He's like, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, that's all of us, that's what we're doing now because none of us are dead. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me ask you a question. Who are you living your life for? Now the Sunday school answer, Jesus. Sometimes I don't like Sunday school answers. I want the real answer. I want the answer that's sitting, making you squirm in your seat right now. And the the deepest parts of your mind and your heart that you are starting to feel uncomfortable. Because the question that is asked, who am I truly serving? Who am I doing this for? If we can be honest, it may not be who we think it's for. But there's good news. Because today, you can change that. That's the great part about all of this. That's the great part about God. He is so long-suffering considering all the things that he could do and that he has done. He is so patient with you. He is constantly knocking at your door saying, hey, let's talk about this. Hey, let me in. I would love to come in and help you with the being so that you can do what I've asked you to do. But you got to let me in. But Alan, I've been saved a long time. That could be the problem. You're too comfortable. You're too fat and happy in who you were. And maybe God's calling this morning to change you into something else. Maybe he wants you to take that next step, that next deeper jump to be what he's created you to be so that you can do what you created to do. That's what he did with Saul and Paul. 
In Philippians, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Now, that's not the end of the passage, but I want to focus on something real quick. Jesus, who is God's son, is in the form of God, chose to walk away from that to come live like us. Everybody with me? And being found in appearance as a man, watch what he did. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. God in the flesh, the Son of God, Jesus, decided, here's what's best. I am going to put my wants, needs, and desires aside, and I'm going to serve fully committed to my Father and do what he's called me to do. It was in his nature. It was who he was. He had no qualms about what he should do. He had never a question about how he should act. And we can get to that place if we continue to go after him and serve him. Look at this next passage. Oh, just kidding. Three quick thoughts. Number one, being without doing is faith without works. Being without doing is faith without works. This is important. James says faith without works is dead. Meaning, I can't just claim to be a Christian and not live out what Christ has set out for me to do. Which is, do what is right, love being kind, and walk humbly with God. I can't call myself a Christian if I'm not doing those three things. Straight up. So if you're struggling with those three things, we may need to have a conversation. At some point, we've got to call it as it is. We can't keep picking and choosing what's comfortable and what I like in hopes that God's just going to be okay with it and may change his mind. Matthew and John and Matthew record, Jesus says that people will know us, us, followers of God, by our obedience and our love for one another. You want to know how we can tell whether you're really following God or not? How are you obeying him? Well, I know that's what it says in scripture, but please don't ever tell me that. That tells me so much more than what you're getting ready to say. It should be, I know what scripture says, and I'm going to do it. I know what God wants me to do, I'm going to follow. How many times in scripture have we watched men and women be commanded to do something or encouraged to do something or to change their life, and they walk away and never do it? That's not what God is looking for. And our love for one another? Man, I've been into some churches where you can cut the tension with a knife. The left side hates the right side and the right side hopes the left side just blows up. Sad, sad. That is not what God wants for us. That is not what God wants for us. But, but Pastor Allen, they claim to be a Christian. I know I'm a Christian, but they're not playing the same way. Okay, what are you responsible for? What are you responsible for? You're responsible to God to do the right thing no matter what. Let it be who you are and let God deal with them. That's his job, not yours. But the Lord said to Samuel, 
Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know why I threw that in there? Because we can look all day and we can put on a good show and we can look real good for each other. But God knows. He's the only shepherd that will have the right and responsibility to separate the sheep from the goats. Your job is to make sure you're as fluffy white as you can be. I want to be the fluffiest sheep out there, man. You ever seen those fat sheep can't even walk because they're so fluffy? That's going to be me. That's what I'm striving for. I'm already working on it right now. Listen, God knows your heart. He knows your heart better than you know your heart because your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We can't know our own heart, but he can, which is why it's even more imperative that we come to him and say, where am I struggling here? Why am I not being able to do this? Where, what is it within me that's causing me to be so flustered with what's going on around me? But what we want to do is it's their fault. It's their problem. It's their issue. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a sightline issue for you. Maybe it's a heart issue for you. I don't know, but I know the one who does know. And he knows your heart better than anybody. And I can promise you, he is itching to help you through whatever you're going through. Faith and trust. Oh, goodness. Righteousness should be the foundation of our being. It should be the foundation of who we are. Righteousness. Notice what he said in, I think it was verse uh, 34 or 24. One of those verses. Oh, just kidding. Verse 37. He said, the righteous. It's the righteous. That is the basis of our foundation. It should be righteousness. And guess who has already laid that foundation for us? Christ. He's already laid it down for us. Our job is to build on it, to stand firm on his firm foundation. Faith and trust. Oh my goodness, that is driving me nuts. Salvation is not based on our doing, but faith or trust in and on Christ. Our salvation is not based on our works. I want to make sure we're all clear with that because that's just a bunch of doing. Doing will not get you into heaven. Doing is a response. It's, a, it's an outpouring of the being. And so if you're counting on just because you pay your tithe and you come and serve at the church and you do all the right things, that that's enough, it's not enough. Salvation is a gift of God. Salvation is not based on our doing, but faith in and on Christ. And then lastly, righteousness should be the foundation of our being. <laughs> oh, it's so backwards up there, man. That's driving me nuts. Faith and trust in Christ breeds righteousness. Faith and trust in Christ breeds righteousness. When I trust in God and I spend time with him, he continues to reveal in me the things that I'm doing poorly and he begins to change them and help me to where now I can live righteously in an unrighteous age and so do it without knowing that you are doing it because it is who you are when we go after God he will change your life moment by moment little thing by little thing to where it just becomes natural for you to do 
what you're supposed to be doing. If you're trying to do it on your own, you're going to struggle and you're going to feel it. But going after him, diving into him will allow you to be who you are meant to be to where when you do, it's just natural. As the praise team comes, let me give you some questions to ponder. Number one, why do I do what I do? Ask yourself, why do I sing in the praise team? Why do I preach? Why do I stand in the back and shake hands and smile at people? Why, why am I nice to people? Why do I do those things? Why am I mean to people? Why do you do what you do? It's a really good question. Because Jesus wants us to do it because of him. But a lot of times we're doing it on our own. And because of what we think we're supposed to be doing. Question number two. What's the core of your essence? At the center of who you are. This may help you with the first question. Is it about the being or is it about the doing? One will help the other. The other will mask the one and destroy you. The being will help your doing, but the doing will mask who you are if you're not careful and potentially destroy you. And then lastly, what influences my life the most? What influences your life the most? Is it the de- doing or is it the being? You know, one day we're going to stand before God and there's going to be a great separation. The question to you this morning is which direction are you going to go? Are you going to take the path of the sheep or are you going to take the path of the goat? God can help you with that answer if you're not quite sure. And he can change your answer if it's the wrong one. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I love you and I thank you for all that you do. Thank you for who you are. I pray that through this amount of words that were shared this morning, that you would find some nugget of truth and, and bury it deep in the hearts that are here. Each person needs something different today. And only you are the one that can help with those. And I pray that you would guide them and direct them, draw them close to you, and may you be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name.